listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, a show proudly supported by you at patreon.com slash 2G1P. This week's episode is all about the power of love. No, not human compassion and connection. That's for suckers and chumps. I'm talking, of course, about the 1985 hit song, The Power of Love, by America's greatest musical assemblage, Huey Lewis and the News. And now, here are the hosts, who are always back from the future, because we record all of these episodes out of order, Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Janula. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers who for many years use the internet as a script in our show, Blogologs. It was a live comedy show. And from there, we decided to make a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we interviewed people behind all the internet posts we've been performing for a lot of years. And we went on these scripted adventures, which ended up being pretty wild. And from there, we created Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot and Mr. Matt Silverman. Um, And in this podcast, we're looking at people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. Welcome. We're happy to have you all here. How are you guys doing? Matt and Allie? Hey, how you doing? Hey. Well, Matt's a little sick. Mm, yep. And when I get sick, I go to my New York. It's my New York <laughs> accent. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Hey, about a big. Hey, uh, I have party girl voice from a big weekend partying <laughs> with my family. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Tell um, us about it. I went into Philadelphia to see the Philly Pops, this orchestra and it was their nice. holiday show yeah it's really fun and it was a present for my dad so he was there and i was with adam and his family was there for part of the weekend too so it was just like wait eating. did Whoa. the families meet for the first time no well actually before i arrived <laughs> before i arrived in philly my brother my boyfriend adam and adam's cousin all went to see a hockey game together so that was pretty cool uh, but Adam and Brad wait, wait. met before. Bro- Brother Jam and Adam and Adam's Adam cousin. And Adam's okay. okay. All went to okay. a, 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 a hockey game with, without me. So I don't know what they discussed. <laughs> it probably got. I, I hope there were no awkward questions about me, but I'm sure it happened. So, <laughs> but you know, you gotta have some trust sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just a lot of like eating, drinking, eating, drinking, eating, drinking, laughing, and now I sound like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Do you? Is that what she sounds like? Um, I don't know. I feel like my voice is deep today. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Allie, how are you doing? I'm all right. Are you getting that good sleep? No. <laughs> okay. I slept last night, so today I feel great, but Ooh. I didn't sound... sleep three nights last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sound spry. That's what I was thinking. Thank you. <laughs> no, today's good. Today's good. It's, you know, it's taking it day by day. I have a newish sleep doctor. I'm pretty sure he thinks I'm a psychopath now. <laughs> Is he as good looking as the old doctor? No, no, it's, it's, it's the same one. It's the same oh, okay. one. Okay, okay, yeah. got it, got it. I have a crush on my sleep doctor. Long time listener. Hey, doctor, doctor Bob. I- <laughs> um, How you doing? Yeah. So yeah, I have a crush on my sleep doctor, but I'm pretty sure he thinks I'm a psychopath because of all the times I call him crying for drugs. Um, which is not usually how i approach new men in my life or anyone really um but my 
feeling is that he's already seen me at my worst, right? Mm, yes. So we should definitely mm. date. He just doesn't know I that I so. have a best. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows. I he's gonna know about that. <laughs> you should tell him he'll bring out the. He's going to bring out the best in you as your sleep doctor, and then give him a, a wink. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe a come a come hither finger motion. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that won't be weird at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> at our first appointment, he asked if I had a bed partner. <laughs> to which I said, oh. "Not yet." <laughs> That's a. <laughs> What a great non-denominational, non-assumptive. Like, is there another human being who cohabitates in the bedroom with you? I, I, I don't know. Live your life. Twenty nineteen. Could you imagine? I could be an animal. Could be an animal. I mean, it could be. Should be like, yeah, I got a puppy. I have a boyfriend pillow. Um, <laughs> but you know, imagine the tables were turned. My and, waifu. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Allie, if you were like, if you if you were the young, like you're a young hot doctor, and this guy said the same thing to you, not yet. Oh my god, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> that would or be bad. so good. Uh, no, the only way it's bad is if like the doctor's abusing you. Mm-hmm. He's so polite to me, and I have abused mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. for sure. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, best of luck. <laughs> no, but honestly. My crush is over. I'm still not sleeping. Fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> if he can't help you. Yeah, I'm I need over a quick, it. Uh, I need a quick me too, like, gut check here. If you make the first move, is he allowed to accept? Or is this like a professional, like, this is not allowed kind of thing? He's allowed to accept. I don't think he is. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Oh, is there? I mean, is that, right. I, I wonder what the Hippocratic rules are here. part of the oath. Thou shalt not accept come-ons <laughs> from sexy patients. <laughs> Thank you for thinking I'm a sexy patient. <laughs> that should have been my Halloween costume. <laughs> and question for you, because re- I really want to paint the picture uh, yeah. for the listeners. Not yeah, for me. I'm yeah, not yeah, interested. Yeah. For the listeners. <laughs> this is like this is like young, hot, like a TV doctor, or this is like a distinguished, older, (laughs) sexy gentleman doctor. No, this is like I walked into my doctor's appointment thinking it was going to be some old man and it was a guy who's like definitely my age not wearing a ring. (laughs) Got it, got it. Check. (laughs) But I'm over it now because I'm still not sleeping and I think it's all a fucking sham. They basically, they, they, yeah, they... They're kind of out of solutions already that I'm really like <laughs> yeah. excited about. So maybe maybe you need a bed partner. Have you had enough bed partners recently? <laughs> I haven't had enough bed partners recently, and it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> well, there you what? go. I think it's worth a try. <laughs> no, I have some good dates coming up this week, though. I'm excited. I haven't had good dates mm. in a long time. Oh my god! Yeah. Can we? Use, can you date. share stories with us? I have a date can with a person I met in real life. What? Whoa. Hold on. I know. Everybody How? just let that sink in. Okay. You know VR is not real life, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Okay. It wasn't even virtual reality. It was shit. reality. Was it augmented reality? Just reality. Reality? Oh, shit. Break it down. Did he? Did you decide to go on the date when you were in person or was that like a text follow-up? How did you meet? What happened? I can't say too much. Okay. Yet. Also because I don't want to jinx anything. Fair enough. Um, he asked me out in real life. And then I also this week have a setup. That's right. I'm going to delete the apps again. (laughs) (laughs) This is 
great. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Um, but the best date of all is on Friday when I oh, go what? to Jen and Adam. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Ellie's in New York on They're Friday. We're going to sip and paint, but she's not there reeling it because there's a fourth person coming. <laughs> oh, I see. Our dear sweet Molly, who we work with. So um, hmm, Molly's nice. my yeah. date for the night. Hi, Molly. Oh. Hi. <laughs> We're going to get drunk and paint some canvases. <laughs> Should be fun. Very professional. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I enjoy all this jibber jabber about your lives and shit, but like, have we even said no. what this show is about? We're just catching no, but up. I have one more thing I want to share about my life, which is that Go. I'm staying with my aunts and I love staying with my lesbians and they are going to be on a gay cruise through Europe. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Not even going to it- fucking see them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like way behind the curve. There are gay cruises. That's pretty cool. I mean, I guess there we've heard <laughs> so many different kinds of cruises in, in our research. Yeah. So okay, cool. Yeah. That's cool. They've um, been gifted a gay cruise through Europe, and so they're not going to be there. I'm like, do you understand? You're my only family members I want to see. You're not going to be there. <laughs> quick, quick thing. Europe is mostly land. I don't think you can like get through it <laughs> on a boat. I know. A I'm not sure of the route, but it's definitely it's around <laughs> Europe. <laughs> okay. It could be something with the Netherlands. Maybe I feel like people do. Maybe like, there's a dry canals. land section. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. Because when oh no, Jen, when we went to Sweden, there were little boat rides. Yeah. <laughs> there were. Were they gay? <laughs> they were so gay. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, like a middle school boy. Um, Anyway, well, all of this banter has been somewhat on brand because what are we talking about today, Jamila? Today we are talking about romance novels. That's right. And a whole online community around them. Um, Specifically, we're speaking with the founder of the site Smart Bitches Trashy Books, So uh, she's brought together this huge community of people bonding over romance novels. Um, And she's also a self-published author of a few romance novels herself, or at least sort of like breaking down romance novels. So we'll get that information shortly. That's right. I'm pretty excited. They have been referenced on NPR on the TV show Younger. And apparently the founder has written a book that is used in college courses, including at Yale. So we have to ask her about that. Yeah, maybe we read you it. You can't say bitches on NPR. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you can say bitches. <laughs> That's right. Binches, right. Binches, yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. say bitches on this podcast either. Matt's going to edit out everything. Yeah, I, I bleep everything. Yeah, beep. this is for families. This is for families only, mostly preschoolers. That's right. Uh, second self-published author of romance novels we've had on the show to date. Aha. Uh-huh. That's correct. If we're calling Chuck Tingle... Ro- it's romance, right? That's romance. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's beautiful, beautiful romance pounded in the butt by my own butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's a good point that when we say romance novels, we're implying like erotica, right? There's no true. You wouldn't call something a romance novel if there wasn't like a sex scene in it. Oh, I guess. I, yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah, that's important. Okay. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, because Chuck Tingle is explicit Very sex and romance explicit. is like more um implicit or about the you know sweeping what people if, off their feet and such what if cruising i think through erotica is their most romantic thing of all mm. ah then you've got a genre quandary there what if yourself. the yeah. only way to my heart is hard fucking <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that a love language like we need to talk to our then technically guests. it's all the same 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw somewhere she wrote a book called Everything I Know About Love I Learned from Romance Novels. And I'm just looking on Amazon. It says that there are lessons in this book. And the first lesson says that romance means believing you are worthy of a happy ending. Wait, you are worthy of a happy ending? Yeah. So like, do they all have happy endings? All these ro- like inherently. That's must a lovely a- phrase. Yeah. So is that realistic? Is it not? Can you get that through hard fucking? I don't know. Let's talk to Sarah today and find out. <laughs> well, I have a quick question. Yeah. My uh, my perception of this community and this site is like to to maybe destigmatize. I think when we think of romance novels, we think of like trashy dime store, uh, drugstore novels that are like they're pulpy and they're not that deep and they're not either. They're just for people who just want to escape or whatever. And it's not highbrow, I guess. And I think what this community is all about, right, is like, hey, you can be very smart and accomplished and still appreciate and enjoy the trashy stuff. Is that what this is? Yes. That's definitely a large element of it. Yeah. Smart bitches, trashy books. Love it. Which is a great title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As someone who considers herself a smart bitch. <laughs> Have you ever read, do you read trashy books? Did you read 50 Not Shades really. of Grey? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but here's a, here's a better I question. Should. I what, should what is your trashy, trashy What is your trashy media of choice? Meaning like, y'all are very accomplished people, very smart people, but you love those real housewives or something. It's just like your guilty pleasure. What is it? Well, I discovered a real trashy one this weekend, which is kind of great. This was not when I was with my family, by the way. But um, if you put sex stories into your podcasts, into like Apple Podcasts, <laughs> yeah, you basically get people like reading these erotic stories. And it's really awesome. <laughs> so that might be my <laughs> new one. And it, it's like romance novel style. Do you it's think like, that's going to help me sleep at night? It could. <laughs> it's it, like they really describe the characters like Gene and Walter have been married for, you know, 25 years. One night they're at the dinner. Like, it goes into like a whole story of an evening and then they describe like the sex and it's pretty awesome. So I forget. Is this original? Like original stories? Or are they reading other people's work? What, what do you think this Great is? Great question. We found one. Uh, I can't remember the name. It had the word Friday in it, but uh, I, I think they were okay. reading other people's work. <laughs> it was like something Friday fun or I, I don't know. <laughs> that was the name of the podcast. Right. So yeah, it sounds yeah. really tame. <laughs> it is. But um, <laughs> by, there's something about our standards. something about having it Friday in your ear. Fun. That's different than reading it yeah. on the page. That, yeah, yeah, they're okay. working on porn that's like only audio now because the ideas that you have in your ear and they're working on um, there are different startups and apps that are like, sex coaches where just like while you're fucking they're like giving you instructions in your ear <laughs> oh my god yeah oh, wow what? yeah i learned about that last week <laughs> or do they, can they see you like how do they know what i don't to coach think you they can see you okay <laughs> you just sync it up sync it up you press like when you press play on Pink Floyd with the Wizard of Oz you just like okay press it and now yeah and then it, it follows your path I think yeah. it's smart. I think we could all use coaching. We we need feedback. <laughs> Otherwise, how do we know if we're doing a good job? I need a yeah, bed partner I mean, first. <laughs> yeah, you guys, step one. Well, you have three possibilities one. this week, so let's get with it, Goldberg. <laughs> Wait, who's the third? Don't you have three oh. dates this week? Am I, mess- am I messing that up? Uh, oh, well. Oh. No, you have two what? dates. I- I'm your date on Friday. Yeah, right. you're my date on Friday. Although we, I might we have a practice. date tonight, so I might have three to night after this <laughs> okay, week. Okay, all, right, sure. all right. Report back in. Report back in. Uh, okay, for cool. now... I do have some trivia for you. We need to move this show along. (laughs) Speaking of romance novels, what brutal dictator has also written best-selling romance novels? No. I have three choices. 
Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I know I said no, but yes, I'm ready. <laughs> A. Saddam Hussein, former president of Iraq. B. Pol Pot, former prime minister of Cambodia. Or C. Kim Jong-il, former supreme leader of North Korea. Not to be confused with Kim Jong-un, the current supreme leader of North Korea. His dad, I believe. Which of these is an author of a romance novel? Weird. A very popular romance novel in their respective country. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, this is disconcerting. Yeah, that's uh, wild. <laughs> this hey man, is like Hitler painted. I was gonna say Hitler like Hitler was really paintings. into like animal rights. Uh, uh, dictators are people oh, alright don't judge that's not the message of this podcast everyone uh, yeah Wait, Matt what was the first one again I'm a bad listener Saddam Hussein Saddam Hussein okay no, no. Great. it's a lot to take in it's here. a lot to take in I feel like we would have heard about it we hear I feel like we hear a lot about Korea we hear a lot we've heard we heard in the past a lot about Saddam Hussein we would have heard. We would have heard about this. I'm gonna go with Cambodia. Let's go with B. You okay. know what? I like oh, your oh, logic, oh. except that Adam said that when we go with the same <laughs> answer, we're both always wrong. Right? Wasn't that the thing? That's correct. You're just slimming your odds. Slim Look, if odds. you're on the same team and the goal is to get an answer right, you should always spread. But if your goal is to compete, then you should choose the best answer that you think is right. What if there is no goal because we never win a prize? But like personally, I want to yeah, know if I get it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the stakes. The stakes are not clear, which All is right. that's really on me. I'm going to go with C just to diversify. Uh, Jen goes with Paul Pot. Ali goes with Kim Jong-il. We will find out the correct romance writing dictator after this commercial break. And now a real advertisement entitled... Website where I've adopted thousands of free pets and now desperately need help caring for them. Craigslist. My girlfriend does not like my beagle, Molly. So I have to rehome her. She's a purebred from a wealthy area, and I've had her for four years. She likes to play games, not totally trained, uh, has long hair, so she's a little high maintenance, especially the nails, but she loves having them done. Stays up all night yapping, but sleeps while I work. Only eats the best, most expensive food. Will never greet you at the door after a long day or give you unconditional love when you're down. Does not bite, but she can be mean as hell. So, anyone interested in my 30 year old, selfish, wicked, gold digging girlfriend? Come and get her! Me and my dog want a rehomed ASAP. I, I mean, I feel bad for him, but that's also kind of heartless. I don't know. Listen, I would choose the dog over the person. You would. <laughs> I know. I think somewhere inside I was thinking that too. <laughs> I want a dog so badly. Like they you just do. fucking love you. You leave for two minutes. You come home. It's the best thing that's ever happened to them. You leave again. You come back. Same thing. Yeah. I've never met a dog that's like a little bitch. You know, they're all really they're Yeah. They want to they want to be around you. So. Yeah. Are you thinking about getting one? I can't right now. Well, you need okay. a bed partner or whatever the fuck. <laughs> 
It's true. This could be a good solution. I would love a dog bed partner. (laughs) But I don't think he could report back on my sleeping habits. Yeah. So that's, you know, my my roommate has two cats, so it's not happening. Oh, I see. see. Yeah. Yeah, I could go poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All right. Well. You're really all about the... You're such a dog. I guess you both are like animal people, dog lovers. Is that accurate? I'm a dog lover. I have trouble not stopping on the street and petting all of them. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of dogs Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. Oh, my God. Pablo fucking kills me. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute. I can't handle it. I love dogs, but I have to be in the right mindset. Like if I'm busy working or we have dogs in our co-working Mm. space and sometimes, Mm. you know, it'll be so distracting. They're so cute and I love spending time with them. Other times I just wish they weren't there. So it just depends (laughs) on my mind space. You got to be careful though. I would be nervous that I would purchase a dog, get him home. And then he's like a yappy dog who keeps me up at night. I don't need that. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the bed partner I'm looking for. (laughs) <laughs> That's my question is I, I just don't see the trade. Like I get the loyalty and the love and the cuddling and everything. But like this is me personally. Every experience I have with quite literally any dog is like <laughs> this thing smells. I touch it and the hair comes off in my hand. Yeah. People, I see people picking <laughs> shit Matthew, off the walk. I'm like, nothing, you're nothing a monster. about this also, is good. Stop hanging out with dogs with cancer. Their hair shouldn't come <laughs> off in your hand. <laughs> Go to any person's house with a dog and there's just fucking hair every it's just like everything is gross about what, it. About what the, gets the me animal there, ownership. But you also there are dogs that don't shed. Like that's of a course. Thing. I get it. I get it. But still. What gets me I mean, is like the little licking noises they make and like the ugh. the way their mouths smell. Smell <laughs> saliva on you. Get and the, the picking up poop part. Here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Jen, what? What you love dogs when we're together? I do, I do just... for the most part. I when we're together. <laughs> I do. I actually don't feel as strongly as Matt, but I, I'm conflicted like about if I would get one or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> want one. But you got to get one with a good personality. Like my friend Anna got a dog and he's got a great doggy personality. She got really lucky. Yeah. He like never <laughs> barks. He just wants to hang out and snuggle. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's sounds great. like a good bed partner. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's like a great bed partner. It's true. All right. Well, speaking of bed partners, let's speaking talk of romance. snuggling. Let's oh, talk fuck, romance we got trivia. novels. Yeah, romance trivia. Uh, I asked you before the break, what brutal dictator is also known for writing at least one best-selling romance novel? So Your choices disturbing. were A, Saddam Hussein, uh, president of Iraq, B, Pol Pot, former prime minister of Cambodia, or C, Kim Jong-il, the supreme leader of North Korea. Ali, you went with, no, Jen. Jen, you went with Pol Pot. Of That's Cambodia. Correct. Yes. That's correct. It's not, I mean, it may not be correct. I'm just saying that is, it is correct <laughs> that you went with that uh, choice. Okay. Ali, you went with Kim Jong-il, North Korea. Yes, solely to diversify our answers. E- excellent strategy. Thank you. The correct answer. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> unfortunately, is Saddam Hussein. No! <laughs> For so many reasons. No! <laughs> what did he write? Zab- and forgive me, I don't know if my uh, Arabic is up to snuff. Zabiba and the King is would be the English translation, published in 2000. So not long before things, you know, got turned upside down there for a second time in Iraq. Uh, I don't remember when he was deposed and, and uh, pulled out of the hole and, and I guess executed or whatever, but uh, it was shortly after that. 
Uh, this book is set in Saddam's hometown of Tikrit, but set in the Middle Ages, so like the seventh or eighth century. And this is it's it's just as this is wild and and kind of classic. Wow. It's about the king. The protagonist is the king of Iraq, which obviously represents himself, uh, and he falls in love with a poor woman. Uh, who is in an unhappy marriage. So like a serf or something who is uh, in an unhappy marriage. The woman represents the people of Iraq. Uh, The woman's husband, uh, he rapes her. So he's obviously the villain. Uh, He represents the US-led forces that drove Iraq out of Kuwait in 1991. So the whole thing is like an an allegory. Uh, And then, uh, well, actually, I should pause here. Major spoilers for this book after after the, uh, the spoiler alert here. Are you guys comfortable with that? Yeah, and yeah, any yeah. listeners, if this you're planning to read Zabiba and the King, uh, you should turn the podcast off now because this is a huge spoiler. All right, cool. Wow. Got that out of the way. Uh. Uh, the King dies uh, after capturing the rapist and avenging the honor of the woman. So, like, I guess they get together, but he dies. So, again, that character representing Saddam, he published a book about him, like an allegory about himself being the savior of Iraq and his people. And then dying in the process, and I would say within a couple of years, also uh, was captured. Wow, interesting! This is a real mind fuck. Yeah, <laughs> it says that it was published anonymously at first. It sold over one million copies. It was a bestseller in Iraq. Royalties, yeah. according to the back cover, were to go to the poor, the orphans, the miserable, the needy, and other charities. Yeah. Wow. So I'm saying Saddam's a pretty good guy when you think about it. <laughs> No comment. Um, <laughs> but interesting that huh. within one human, there exists so many uh, talents, should be impulses, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. do in the world. Yes, yeah, so strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, <laughs> this is so crazy. Ali's definitely deep in a Google <laughs> wormhole go right down now. That wormhole later. Uh, uh, and he, and maybe as you, if you're looking on Wikipedia, like there, he wrote other novels, but they were mo- they seem to be like more like uh, intrigue and adventure. There, this this one was pretty focused on allegorical romance, for lack of a better term. Oh. Huh. All right. <laughs> well, on that note, let's hear more about romance novels, the non Saddam Hussein variety. Um, <laughs> We are so excited to have our guest with us right now. Today, we're talking to Sarah Wendell, who is the co-founder of Smart Bitches Trashy Books and an author. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. How are you? We are thrilled. Yeah, how are you We're excited. There's three smart bitches here and Matt. Hey, I'm also here. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can include Matt. Why not? He can be a smart bitch. I'll give you some reasons why not. So, oh, I forgot to say romance maven in your title. I apologize. No, it's all right. I I do a lot of things, so it's totally okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, So just for our listeners who have not experienced the site yet and the community, how would you describe Smart Bitches Trashy Books? Uh, Smart Bitches is a 15 almost year old blog, which is, I was talking about this over the weekend. I think that's like the Mesozoic era of the internet 15 years ago. It was a very different place back then. It is a 15 year old community devoted to connecting romance readers with one another and with the books that they want to read. We predominantly talk about romance and we do reviews, discussions. Uh, We have a feature called Help a Bitch Out where people who remember the plot or some scene of a book email us. And then usually the community can identify what book that is and with the genre is wide and 
and old as as romance is in its current iteration. That's that's a lot of books to figure out. We also have a podcast which is in its three hundred and eighty first episode. I think three eighty one is this. Oh wow! Most, yeah, most recent one that started. Thank you. That started uh, ten years ago. Um, so basically, I've been doing this for a really long time. <laughs> so why why did you decide to start it? What was the impetus 15 years ago? I was in an email correspondence with Candy Tan, who is the co-founder. Um, I had taught myself HTML when I was in college because I was an English major and I didn't want to write a paper. So I went to the English department and was like, hey, how about I design your website instead of writing a term paper? And they were all like, <laughs> sure, that sounds great. And this was, this was 1996, 1997. So uh, that website was fugly, but it got the job done and I got an A <laughs> and I came out of it with HTML experience. So I built my own online journal wow. and this was before blogging software. So I had to like code my own archives. It was heinous, but I wrote online as often as I wanted to. And this was way, way back when there were just online journals and there wasn't blogging software. Most of the essays were rather long form. And it was it was really interesting to read journals from different people around the world who were just figuring out how to connect to each other. And there were like circles that you would join and there was there was Diary X and Blogger came along eventually. I mean, it was a completely different universe. When I had my own site, Candy discovered that I, at the time, because I didn't have children and I had a lot of time, I made my own pet food and I posted recipes. So she found them and we started corresponding and eventually started talking about romance. And the thing about romance is that if you are a romance reader and you know you're talking to another romance reader, it's great. You can talk for many, many years about the books that you read. But if you're a romance reader and you're talking to someone else who you know likes to read, but you don't know if they like romance, you could get one of several really awful condescending responses when you tell them what you like to read. So when I told Candy, oh, I like romance, she went, oh my God, me too. And we went off on all of the books that we loved and all the books that we disliked. And one of us said, let's start a blog. And I don't remember which one of us decided, yeah, let's do a review blog. And which one of us named it? I can't find that correspondence. But ultimately, Smart Bitches Trashy Books was born in January of 2005. We wanted a place to talk about the books we loved. That's so great. And that correspondence with Candy, was that one of the first times you were able to have that type of conversation with somebody else in terms of just like that was the the start of the community right there? Well, the community has always existed. There have always been romance readers and there are there are review blogs that are older than than mine that are still going. But that was one of the first times that I sort of told a complete stranger who I'd never met face to face that I liked romance. Oh. I had met people online and then met them in real life and we traded books and everything. But I generally didn't talk a lot about reading romance to people at that point. I was pretty young and I had just gotten married and I just graduated and I was pretty used to the condescending or negative responses that I didn't talk about it a lot. One nice thing about running the blog for 15 years is that I'm really over it. And I don't care what you think of my reading, which is great fun. <laughs> what are the condescending remarks that people make about romance readers? Oh, gosh. How how long is your show? It's long. <laughs> as long as you want it to be. Really. Okay. Oh, yeah. they, there's many decades worth of comments. Um, there's the... Is it like, oh, get a real book? 
that's part of it. Or, oh, you mean like Fifty Shades of Grey? Or, oh, mm. you mean like Twilight? Or, oh, isn't that mommy porn? Or wait, isn't that all mm. pornography? You're like, oh, those sex books. And then you can sort of see them considering your intelligence and uh, revising their estimation of your intellect in a negative direction. Um, a lot of the time I get, oh, those books... Like they don't quite know what to do with an actual person in front of them who's like, heck yes, romance is fabulous. That happens less and less now, which is incredible because the New York Times in EW and the Washington Post and other um, the Seattle Review of Books, they all have romance columnists now. So there's more mainstream media taking it seriously and treating it like any other genre of fiction, which is fabulous. But I still get people who are like, oh, those. I thought you were smart. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you say? What's your comeback? Depends on the person and whether or not uh, and the in the environment. Like if I'm in synagogue and I'm talking to the rabbi, I'm not going to be a complete schmuck. But <laughs> um, actually, my rabbi's super dope. It's the ex rabbi who'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about." Um, Let's discuss dope rabbis later because that's something that doesn't usually go together. But okay. Oh, yeah. also that's the, the name of my hip hop group. Dope rabbis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you old enough to remember two live Jews? That sounds familiar. Oh, yes. That would be uh, DJ Easy Irving and MC Moisha. <laughs> Amazing. And they had a whole album. I own it. it. I own it on cassette. I don't own a cassette player, but I still have the cassette because I just can't part with it. It is such yes. a strange and bizarre piece of, of like early 90s Jewish nostalgia. <laughs> I'm so but, glad that this is quickly becoming our Hanukkah special. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I also wrote a Hanukkah romance. Oh, I know. It's oh. in our list of questions. We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, you think I didn't notice donuts. that? Yeah. Last name's Goldberg. I'm on it. Okay. Um, all right. So everybody hated it. So you made a community. But can you tell us what are the different subgenres of romance literature? There are so many. It's really incredible how wide the genre is. People sort of, if they have a very limited view of romance, they're going to think, oh, like Fifty Shades or, oh, like those gigantic fuchsia women on the covers with the big hair and the swan is flipping out in the background, like the historicals that were published in the 80s and 90s. Some people have a, a very antiquated or very narrow view and the genre is extremely wide. So there's contemporary, but then there's also contemporary that's romantic comedy. And then there's contemporary that's very angsty or dark and deals with really painful emotional themes. There's historical of so many different flavors. There's fantasy. There's paranormal. There's erotica. There are romances featuring um, gay characters, queer characters, transgender characters, uh, Jewish characters. All of the margins we're trying to see more representation of in the genre. That's slowly happening, which is so cool. But basically, whatever book you like, whatever type of fiction you like, generally, I can find a romance that you will enjoy because it's a very fluid and welcoming genre. I'm I'm convinced my husband to read a whole bunch of different things that I consider romance. And he's like, no, that's that's fantasy. I'm like, well, yeah, but there was sexy times. He's like, well, yeah, but it was fantasy. I'm like, OK, all right, that's fine. Does a romance novel have to be erotic or is that not necessarily the case? Oh, absolutely not necessary. There could be very okay. intense hand holding, and that's all you get. There's a whole genre <laughs> of uh, uh, story of my life. Intense hand right? holding, <laughs> like just just the pinkies will touch. Um, <laughs> there's a whole section of the romance, you know, shelves that is inspirational that often deal very much with spiritual 
themes. A lot of them mm-hmm. are Christian, although I also consider my book inspirational, even though it's like super heckin' Jewish. There's a lot of concept that, you know, romance is nothing but sex. And that is absolutely not true. There are romances where the most you will see on the page is kissing and sometimes not even that. So it does not have to have sexy times as a prerequisite. But in that case, are they all like thwarted lovers or no? No, no. There's lots of reasons why people don't have sex or they just don't have sex during the course of the book. I mean, I consider Harry Potter a romance. So just so we're clear. Um, (laughs) My favorite characters get together. I'm very happy about it. Okay, it's a romance in the end. Um, Voldemort and Harry. Sorry, is that spoilers? (laughs) I haven't seen it. That's the fan fiction level. I think it's interesting because everybody seems to like rom-coms, but then people shit on romance novels. That doesn't make sense. Oh, that's great. That's a great point. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I mean, people kind of tend to crap on rom-coms too. They can yeah, to they liking kill them. it at the box office. Yeah. Well, romance does pretty well when uh, when 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 it hits its readership. Romance does pretty well financially. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 a different market. It's a different audience. Obviously, movies are a completely different thing. But yeah. You know, it's coming up on award season. You're not going to hear serious discussion of rom-coms. You're going to hear, you know, the films that are the most important. Very rarely are they romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. So, Sarah, who are the members of your community and are most of them readers? Are there a lot of authors in that community as well? Oh, absolutely. The readership is, is global, which astonishes me. But I have visitors from every time zone and I get email from all over the world. I get email from people who um, apologize for their English, but they've learned English from reading romances and it's their second or third language. And I'm like, please don't apologize. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The readership is almost entirely, though not completely female, according to Google. And Google only operates on a gender binary. So I can't account for anyone who is gender fluid or trans or or gender queer because Google only measures male slash female. But Get with the, Google. Yeah. Right. Like, like <laughs> Spotify can tell me if my podcast has gender fluid listeners. I know Google can mm. do a little bit better with this. Mm. Although then you you know you get into the question of how much does Google really need to know about your life like that. I, it's also true. a question. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's 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 a question. Yeah. But the the readership is almost all avid readers of tons of different genres, but definitely romance. There are some authors, there are some people who only want to read and they only want to read one specific genre. So they're coming looking to see what we've reviewed in their favorite. Um, There are people who just love to talk to other romance fans. And one of the things I'm most proud of is that the comment section is often a very welcoming and convivial space. You can read it without feeling like you need a decontainment shower. It's (laughs) <laughs> pretty safe and and lovely space to hang out. And people really just want to talk about the things that they've read that excite them. One of our most active thread is the one where we basically say, okay, so what you reading? Here's what we're reading. What are you reading? And then, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred and something comments later, everyone has told us what we've, what, what they are reading. And then we've all bought more books. Um, the, the real secret, not very secret motivation for the site is I have no impulse control when it comes to buying books, so I'm enabling everyone else's poor impulse control so I feel less alone. Basically, we buy a lot of books. <laughs> there are worse things that you could go ham on, you know what I mean? Right? Totally. <laughs> How large is the community? Do you know? Yes. Yes, I do. We get about half a million page views a month, and 
the thing I love is that when people come to the site, they will spend more than two or three minutes hanging out, which means a lot to me because it means that people are coming and staying and engaging and reading and commenting. Um, our traffic also grows month to month and year to year, which is incredible to me. So the the fact that we have a community that continually evolves and grows and is still eager to talk about all of the things romance is doing is just incredible. Mm -hmm. So we also noticed that your team is super diverse, which is amazing. Um, so we wanted to know, like, how did you find them? What's the team's roles? Because you have a you have quite a few people listed. I imagine this is not a full time staff, but I was just wondering what's everyone's roles. Oh, or is it uh, is a full time staff? No, no, no. <laughs> I am. This is this is my full time job. And I have a full-time assistant. Amanda is full-time as well. Uh, the writers are all freelancers. And um, I am really very proud that I can pay my writers. Like, it's it's hard to run a website. It is a, it is a difficult thing financially. I mean, I think the New York Times was just talking about how, you know, feminist media, independent media is dying. Of course, they didn't mention Bitch Magazine, which is very strange. But mm -hmm. it it's hard, you know, to, to run a website. So the crew of reviewers that I have are all over the world. They are incredibly diverse and I love working with them. We have an internal um, administrative slack that is like my favorite place to hang out because they're all mm -hmm. just talking about interesting things. We have reviewers who are um, immigrants to the U.S. We have reviewers who reside in South Africa and in Canada. We have reviewers who are um, in Taiwan. When I'm doing a end of year uh, podcast series where I talk to each of them about the books that they loved most and coordinating across time zones was really something because they're all over the world. And I love learning from them. They're really wonderful people. That's awesome. Um, and then we were also curious just a, a to hear a little bit more about what some of the members' activities are beyond just having these conversations and commenting in the blog. Um, we see that there might be in-person events. Uh, what's going on with the podcast? How, how are people participating in the community? Well, the, the foundation has always been the website. Um, but I've also learned from being on the internet for so long that no matter what tiny, obscure, random thing you're into, you're never alone in that. So yeah. when I decided, I, right? Oh yeah, you're never alone. So I like talking about, you know, dope stuff my library is doing. So we'll all talk about what our libraries are doing. And I wanted to have my own radio show since forever. So well, with podcasting, no one's going to stop me. So I had, I started a podcast. I do live events. I moved to the DC area about four years ago and have now connected with a number of really great local independent bookstores who actively want romance readers to come and hang out with them. They have a romance book clubs and they have romance events. And for independent bookstores, that's kind of a newish thing. Indies used to be a little bit unfriendly to romance readers and to have independent bookstores say, oh my gosh, please come run an event, come hang out with us. I did an event at Loyalty Books for Sherry Thomas's latest Charlotte Holmes series, which is a really good feminist retelling of, of the Sherlock Holmes stories, but they're spun into Charlotte Holmes, who is amazing. And Sherry Thomas writes both historical mystery with that series and also writes historical romance and fantasy romance. And she recently wrote a Mulan novel, which is outstanding. But anyway, like, come do this event. They had a cocktail menu developed by a master sommelier and mixologist where each of the cocktails was based on part 
of a book or a line from the book and they were exquisite. It was there's like a speakeasy in the back of the bookstore. It was so great. That's so fun. Do you remember any example of that? I would love to hear. Oh, of the cocktails? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I th- I I hope I can find one. Let me no take pressure. a look. Uh, see if I can find one. <laughs> what are we talking about? Drinking now? You have to like edit that out. <laughs> yeah, drinking is way too racy for us over here. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I don't want to cause any problems. So one of them was based on the character of Lord Ingram. One of them was on fire, which makes for a really good cocktail. If there's a cocktail that that includes setting things on fire. That's pretty great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I am going to find the menu because I took a picture of it. You you asked also about like live events and other things that we do. The um, The greatest thing about the community is that they just they just like talking about books. When, if I go to a conference, if I go to a book signing, invariably I will meet someone who just says, I just want to meet you and thank you. It's one of the, like the best places I hang out on the internet, which is like the nicest compliment. Okay. So here's an example. This is the one I had. Lord Ingram was the scion of a ducal family, an old Etonian. And that was London gin, Lilith, uh, Creme de Noyau, I might be saying that wrong, and orange bitters. Then there was happiness has never been the goal in society marriages, page 202. That is bison grass vodka, Dalton dry vermouth, Suze Amer, and lemon oil. Wow. And then... She's a talented mimic, but she'd entered into it with too much enthusiasm and sounded as if a punch caricature had come to life. Page 166. Rum blend, Swedish punch, Cointreau, fresh lime, nutmeg on fire. <laughs> Just a, a little footnote. It's on fire. This cocktail is it's yeah. on fire. <laughs> yeah. All of, the, all of the cocktails were developed by Chantal Seng, who works at the reading room at the Petworth Citizen, which is connected to the loyalty bookshop. So if you go to an event there and they're having a cocktail night, it is so cool. Awesome. Changing gears a little bit. What is the group's relationship with fan fiction, if any? Is that discussed in the community? Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. All the time. Mm-hmm. Fanfic is really interesting. I mean, a lot of the time fanfic is written to make text of the subtext of relationships that aren't primary. And for a lot of fanfic's history, that was queer pairings that weren't given textual primacy and weren't given, you know, the center stage of a story. Fanfic also, a lot of it is pairings and exploring the emotional and relationship dynamics of characters who aren't paired in the canon story. There are a lot of um, wonderful writers who got their start in fanfic and talk about their, 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 their roots and their history in fanfic. The thing about fanfic is that it is very focused on tropes and it's very trope forward. So like if you go to AO3 and you look at the tags and it's like, there was only one bed and they're on a road trip, a romance reader is going to be like, yes, okay. Yeah, I want to read that right now. <laughs> um, there there are ways in which I think publishing is now starting to interact more directly with the language of fanfic to help market books, which I think is very, very smart. And authors who are on Twitter will market their books with a list of things that their book contains effectively using fanfic tags to talk about their books. So one example on Twitter was a book called Full Moon in Leo. It's a pagan holiday romance. 
it's a small town. They're snowed in. Non-binary trans masculine gay main character found family. And then there's like a photo board of images inspired by the book. And people in the replies are like, oh, yeah, okay, can I have it right now? Like, can I have it immediately? Why do I have to wait? Wait, this this sounds great. The the way in which fans communicate and the language that fans use is part of fanfic, and it's also part of romance. So romance and fanfic have a very long and connected history. That makes sense. From there, let's hear about your books. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> To my ever-loving shock, I have written three, which is amazing. My first book was co-authored with Candy. It came out 10 years ago. It's called Beyond Heaving Bosoms, The Smart Bitch's Guide to Romance Novels. It is a critical but affectionate look at the genre and what it is. Uh, it's it's on the syllabus at a bunch of universities now, which absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, we read this. It's at Yale, and we went there, and we want to know what course. <laughs> it was a special okay i have to remember how to describe this so there's different colleges at yale yes. that's my understanding You're i did right. not go to yale and in the different colleges alumni can come back and give a special seminar uh, so at one of those seminars for undergraduates um let's see it was lauren willig and kara elliott did a whole seminar on romance fiction and it was a very full class in the class was um, B. Koch, who later went on to co-found the Rip Bodice Bookstore with her sister Leah, which is the first uh, romance-only independent bookstore in America. Oh, which is pretty dope. where is it? It is in Culver City, California. Wonderful. Hi. I live 15 minutes away. Um, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I'm an expensive person to know. Wait, what's it called? What's the name of the bookstore? The Ripped Bodice. Mm, I get it. You cannot miss it. It's wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. And they put their windows, Leah does the windows. They put their holiday windows up or their the windows all year, actually. They put them up on Instagram. This month is um, Little Women and it's really a beautiful window. So if you get to see it, I'll be very envious. I've only seen pictures. I'll okay. go take a picture and stick it in the Discord. Yeah, I mean, I, it's very, I, I just Googled it. It's very nearby. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So beyond heaving bosoms, what are the other books? You said there are three. My second book was everything I know about love. I learned from romance novels because apparently I like really long titles for all of the books I publish. (laughs) And that is a very bubbly celebration of everything that the genre does and helps readers with. So Romance gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons, but they're actually courtship narratives that are about self-actualization. And a lot of the time they center the heroine in a way that isn't common in a lot of genre fiction and literature. So there's ways in which the genre can help you and teach you things about your life. There are a lot of ways in which romance has taught readers about themselves and about the things that they value because they're dealing both with external antagonists, but also internal emotional journeys. Mm-hmm. So everything I know about love I learned from romance is a very crowdsourced book about all the great things romance can do. It's like basically a giant celebration in book form. We were looking on the Amazon page for that one earlier and read about the lesson that romance means you are worthy of having a happy ending, which the three of us agreed was very hopeful and lovely and uh, made us very interested in reading the book. So is that true? Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you are deserving of a happy ending and a happy ever after and a joyful 
contented life just the way you are. Mm. Because one of the things that happens in romance is that the characters are loved because of who they are, not in spite of who they are. They are embraced and loved as the people that they are, as flawed and imperfect humans. And that is true for everyone. Amazing. Okay. And what is the third book? Yeah. The third book I wrote is called Lighting the Flames. It is a Hanukkah romance. <laughs> it takes place in winter at a Jewish summer camp that <laughs> is in danger of closing, closing. And it is a friends to lovers story. Um, and I unabashedly love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Perhaps I will read it this holiday season. As you should. If you would like a copy, I would be so happy to send you one. Oh my God, I... send me a copy. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I would be happy to. Matt, bleep out my address. It's not. <laughs> you can email Los Angeles, California. <laughs> we have it's email. Always email me. Have it's always email. funnier when Matt bleeps it. <laughs> it is funny. One adjacent question. Do you, as an independent uh, author, can you, have you created audiobooks of your work? And is that an easy process to do, expensive process That's to really do? That's really interesting that you should ask that. I um, I was recently hired to record some audiobooks for another author, and I'm working on recording mm -hmm. the audio for my own. It is very hard to do an audiobook just in terms of vocal stamina. And making yes. sure that you have, you know, a, a, a dead, silent environment. Like I live outside D.C. There's freaking helicopters all the time, <laughs> like the garbage man. Like I, you know, I can't isolate myself. So just the the sound setup is something that I've been researching. But also you need vocal stamina and you need to not have breath sounds. So obviously in the final product, there are very specific parameters for the sound levels that you need to fulfill. Reading your own writing out loud is how I is one of the ways I edit. So I read my work out loud to sort of see how it sounds and to catch things that don't work. Reading it out loud for an audiobook is excruciating because there isn't a sentence that I'm like, wow, I could have done that better. Did you really need to use that yeah. word for the ninth time in this chapter? Uh -huh. What's up with that? Yeah. But on the other hand, audiobooks are one of my favorite ways to enjoy romances. I love listening to stories and I love listening to nonfiction. So I have this deep respect for the process of recording audio. So one of the things I'm working on in 2020 is recording my own audiobook. So thank you for asking. Excellent. Good luck. It's, it sounds you. arduous, tedious, and hard. I, I understand. It's fun, but it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And my vocal yeah. cords are like, look, you don't talk to a lot of people. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you, what is with all of the talking? Huh? You work at home by yourself so you don't have to talk. Yeah, you talk to the dog. You could do it, you know, like a chapter or two a week, you know? Yeah, but it's still several hours. I mean, yeah. for one hour of usable audio, usually, for especially for a novice narrator like I am, that's several hours of recording because you screw up. So one one finished hour could take four or five hours of recording time to produce. Yeah. It's sort of like when you record a podcast and you record for 45 minutes and the episode's 30, mm -hmm. only on a much larger right, right, scale. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So if we um, wanted well, if you to start... hire someone else to do it, we're here for you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> So if we wanted to start reading romance <laughs> novels right now, because Ellie and I haven't really gotten to the genre, where would you suggest starting? Well, it helps for me to know what books are some of your absolute favorites. Okay, I actually love, I mean, Harry Potter, of course, and then I love historical fiction. Mm. Okay, historical fiction. Are there any particular eras that you really like? No. 
Okay, so you're pretty open to any historical period. 97, historical fiction. 1997, that's Well, where I mean, there's the Regency, start. and then there's Victorian, there's Edwardian, there's 20th century. There's a lot of historical mysteries being published right now that are set during World War II. Like, there's so many. I also okay. like nonfiction, which maybe isn't helpful okay. here. I don't know. <laughs> that helps. Okay. It's like real-life romance stories. What kind of books are you into? All the books. Yeah, everyone. pretty much. That's my answer. I understand. Okay. So one book that might work for you because you like fantasy and Harry Potter, um, you might like A Promise of Fire by Amanda Boucher, which is magic questing fantasy, super powered heroines. Super cool. Yep. And then you said you liked historical. All right. Strap in. Because this is... <laughs> This strap is, in, this strap is, on. Is, I'm oh, ready. <laughs> there are there are so many options here. Okay, so let's see. I want to recommend books to you that are like like the literary equivalent of a hug that are really uplifting and give you like oh, that warm okay. fuzzy feeling. Like a really good historical romance can be like the best fuzzy blanket and a and a really nice mug of hot cocoa or tea or whatever you like with with or without brandy. Totally fine. <laughs> Um, I would recommend Tessa Dare. Her latest books are wonderful. There's actually, you asked about fandom and there's one called Romancing the Duke where the heroine's uh, the daughter of a guy who wrote a fairy tale that has a pretty active fandom and she's kind of trapped in her dad's legacy and she inherits a castle because you do. It's really, really Mm -hmm. lovely. You also might like um, Teresa Romaine's season four series if you're interested in like a Christmas style romance. Nope. That's um, nope. Okay, forget. <laughs> I'm it. going with the Hanukkah one. I don't need a Christmas romance. Uh, there's so much Christmas books. It's like yeah, that's incredible. why you had to write the Hanukkah one. Um, I support. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, another option that you might really like is Sarah McLean. Her latest series, I think it's Brazen and the Beast. You might really enjoy that as well. Brazen and the Beast. Okay. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm going to start with that magic one. Okay. Jen, what about Jen? <laughs> I don't know how this will translate, but, um, my favorite like suite of books is still J.D. Salinger when the, it's the Catcher in the Rye series, but like all talking about that family and the whole 1940s sort of vibe to those books. Um, and then I also love poetry. So I'm a huge Wordsworth fan. Anything like 1700s, 1800s, nature, English countryside uh, sort of feeling to it, I would like. Okay. So that's a bit of a challenge because there isn't as much um there isn't as much published in that particular era that's uh-huh. romance. You stumped her, Jen. Oh I stumped her. <laughs> no, I was thinking like I, I was just going back for a second to Allie. Would you be interested in lesbian necromancers in space? Allie or me? <laughs> that's okay, a- that was that was that's Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Mir, which is fantasy because it's lesbian necromancer <laughs> space. But well, look, we already had Chuck Tingle. Totally we already like had Chuck, Chuck Tingle, Tingle on the show. Title. So, uh, I interviewed him too. Was that a weird edit for you, Matt? Because that <laughs> was, was one of the one of the weirdest mag- edits I have ever done. I am gonna. I you know what? I think you've stumped me, and I'm gonna have to do some research oh on gosh. that one. Um, well, listen, listener, listen, listeners, when, um, when, when you get back to us, when Sarah gets back to us, we'll, I'll post it in the discord to give some ideas. 
because you're going to want lyrical writing that's beautiful that that mm -hmm. that sort of sort of sweeps you yes, into the prose, absolutely. right? Well, that okay. So here, there's this, this is a little tack on question here. Hmm. I think the the outsider's perception of a genre like romance is that the literature or the um the how do I phrase this the 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 writing is crappy. Yeah, not that the writing is crappy, but that there's something about literature with a capital L. And I don't subscribe to this bullshit, mm -hmm. but like that literature with a capital L is somehow great and uh, popular culture mm -hmm. is somehow not as good. And so I wonder if you maybe have any any authors or titles in mind where it's like, Oh, okay. This is about a fun romance, but oh my God, the writing is like off the charts. Oh gosh, yes. Courtney Milan, Olivia Waite, Alyssa Cole, especially. Um, mm -hmm. Courtney Milan writes gorgeous, gorgeous books. She's written contemporary and historical, and she's one of those writers where I highlight the the Kindle book or I highlight the digital book to the point where I think it it has more. It takes up more space on my hard drive because I've added so many highlights. Um, there are lines in her books that I still think about. She's such a lyrical writer. Mm -hmm. Alyssa Cole and Alicia Rye and Olivia Waite have all written truly gorgeous books this year where there are moments in the writing or in the characters' perspectives where it just sort of hits you right in the chest. That's really lovely and quite powerful and difficult to do as a writer. I know there's definitely an attitude that, oh, romance is poorly written. Super not true. But also the idea that there's a, a specific kind of literature that is superior, it's often literary fiction. And literary fiction is itself a genre. It has constructs. It has a formula and, a, and it has a set of themes that it engages with regularly. Mm. So it's it does a lot of the same things as other forms of genre fiction. It just talks about itself in a different language, which, okay, right. that's fine. If that's your thing, mm -hmm. cool. Hope you enjoy mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. All right. Wait, did we, did we discuss Matt's favorite romance? <laughs> oh, that's true. He's a smart bitch too. <laughs> Matt, get in here. What, what do you like to read? I am a smart bitch. Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I don't think, I have no inherent desire to seek out romance like if i'm gonna watch fiction or read fiction or listen to like that's not even on my list of things to seek out however for the purpose of the question i'm really with ali i'm a big uh fantasy sci-fi you know I, I don't do harry potter but tolkien star wars love that stuff so anything with a fantasy or even like a political you know game of thrones type setting uh would be up my alley no i can't pull up my my normal list so i'm gonna have to email you and i suck but i do have recommendations no, for you i just know that that's i'm gonna fine. start to name a title and my brain's gonna be like nope <laughs> nope no words for you sorry <laughs> author you're gonna so it's the one that's purple <laughs> and the heroine's wearing a scarf on the cover and it's she's sort of facing kind of away from you yeah this is how my brain works so i apologize you speaking of heroines and stuff like i guess there's this other uh outsider perception that romance is like, I'm a big, strong dude, and I'm going to sweep this helpless maiden off her feet. And that is the, the, the stereotype that when I hear romance, I see, the, I see a certain type of cover at, the, at, the, at CVS, and that's my perception. And clearly, that is either no longer the case or, you know, there's a lot, there's way more to choose from. But does that stuff still persist in the in the world? Absolutely. It's a character archetype. You still see it in Marvel and DC and every show that starts out. There's often that character archetype of the alpha dominant male. But that's not the mm -hmm. only type of male character in romance, just like there's 
many different types of characters in every form of fiction, there are so many different ways of being a hero. And there's so many different ways of being a romance protagonist. There's also romance that's between two men or two women. So you have a lot of ways to explore the variations of sexuality and gender as well. So there's not just one type. Are those changes mainstream today or becoming mainstream or you know, if you looked at statistics of best-selling romance novels, are they still the same old stuff? No, no. A very long time, it's been more representative of different types of characters. It's cool. been a very long time since it was just that one type of dominant alpha, you know, stomping and swooning hero, hero mm -hmm. type. Mm -hmm. I did think of a series that you might like. Mm -hmm. You might like the Psy Changeling series by Nalini mm -hmm. Singh which takes okay. place in a world with shifters and psychics and uh, a code of conduct for the psychics because they can all kill each other with their brains. <laughs> and you you might like that one. And I'll I will come it. up. Oh, and Patricia Briggs. You might like uh, Mercy Thompson, the Mercy Thompson series as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess one more question that I have is just what are what is one of your favorite storylines in, in a novel? I've talked about this before. I love when characters get snowed in. <laughs> it's forced proximity. But you're not in any active danger. It's not like there's a tornado or you a lot know, of chance relationships sort of started because of a hurricane. <laughs> it's nice. true. It, it, it's it happens. That's reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys couldn't yeah. leave, so you had to get together. <laughs> right. <laughs> but with with a hurricane, like there's active danger. Right. Like, you know, I went through I, I went through some of that. It, it there's with a snowstorm, if you have power or if you don't, you have to get close to keep warm. <laughs> you just kind of have to wait until it's done. If you're inside and you have some degree of shelter and you have some food, uh, possibly candles, maybe a, maybe a fireplace, the the imminent danger to your actual life is a little bit less. So I I love when characters are snowed in. So people write to me like, hey, there these characters got snowed in. I also like dragons. So if there's dragons in a snowstorm, I'm very curious. Wow. <laughs> How do I transition out of dragons? <laughs> You really just don't. You just, wrap you just it up. go yeah, with the dragons. Just go. Just go. Speaking of dragons, this podcast really dragon. We got to wrap it up. <laughs> just kidding. Whoa, just kidding. I'm just, well just, just giving you just giving you some ammo there. Feel free to use it. It's a free idea. <laughs> it's free, is it? It's free. Yeah. Well, speaking of dragons, <laughs> I'm gonna drag us into another topic. Um, no, I read on one of your team's bios, one of your team members wrote, one of my personal missions is to connect readers with stories about queer women because they saved my life and I never would have known they existed if I hadn't been lucky enough to stumble on an article online. I thought that was so beautiful and interesting that these, you know, that this community really had such an effect on on this person. So I just wanted to know, you've talked about it a little bit, but how else is the community helping women and others understand themselves? Oh gosh, there are, there are so many ways. It can be as simple as, as the message that sex should be pleasurable and enjoyable and contain orgasms for everyone. Um, it could be the message that you are worthy of love is in the exact form that you are now and you are a whole person who doesn't have to change to meet some outstanding or out, excuse me, outside standard. It can be the idea that you deserve a relationship where someone treats you with respect and, and with decency. Um, there are a lot of romances and stories of marginalized people that have saved people's lives. I did a 
very brief interview with Tara Scott for my end of year podcast where we were talking about all of the books that we loved this year. And she talked about um, a series of pulp lesbian romances that were published in the 50s that writers of lesbian romance now who are superstars in that genre say saved their lives because they'd never seen themselves represented before. And the ability to see yourself in a romance is both universal and specific. There's always the emotional experience of, of falling in love or falling in infatuation or just having really horny lusty pants. All of these things are real and they're present in different books because romance traffics in empathy. It is asking you to emotionally connect with and empathize with characters who are experiencing incredibly powerful emotions. But that representation is also specific. And so with writers like Helen Huang, you're going to see immigrants from Vietnam navigating an arranged marriage in a completely different country. You'll see characters who are from different countries or who speak different languages figuring out how to find their happiness with another person. And for example, when you have a genre that can be very white and straight, cisgendered, heteronormative and, and Christian, it can be very refreshing to see a very unique and personal part of your culture and your experience represented on a page. So one of the things that romance readers often find in the genre is a piece of themselves that they didn't know that they needed to recognize and to see themselves and that piece of themselves finding happiness and contentment and fulfillment in the course of a story. It's really very reassuring to start a book and know that no matter how bad it gets in the course of that story, it will end happily. That's the promise of romance. It will have a happy ending. People will live happily ever after. That's why the genre does what it does. It's very reassuring to know that that's where you're going when things are painful and difficult. And the message of it's gonna be okay is incredibly powerful and helpful to so many readers. Well, on that happy end, we'll see ya. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate being invited. Thank you so much for having me. Well, who would have known that there's so much hopefulness in romance novels? And I guess that makes sense, but I never thought that that was like the defining. I didn't because I've never really read them. <laughs> Me too. Also, to be honest, I didn't want to say this in front of our very awesome guest, but I like I did have a perception of like the grocery store romance that I haven't had a large experience with romance novels, but I just remember seeing them, like you said, Matt, in, like a CVS or so mm -hmm. I needed my mind to be expanded and I thank her for doing that. <laughs> I think of them as beach reads. Okay. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. That's what I was always stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just have this image now because I've gotten really into audiobooks now that I live in L.A. because of all the traffic. And so I just have this image of like someone gets in my car and it just starts playing and it's like psychics eating each other's brains and fucking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll be like, oh, just kidding. I just <laughs> Yeah. I just can't even imagine you being embarrassed by that, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I'd be Let's like, and what? Yeah. <laughs> you know me. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I love all books that are page turners. Like, I just, 
A friend told Great me something kind of depressing and she was like that basically like she did the math and you only had like so many books left to read in your life. Oh my God. <laughs> so now if a book doesn't immediately hook me, like I'm out of there. Yeah. It used to be like yeah. any book I started, I would finish. And now in my yeah, 30s, yeah. I'm like, fuck this. There's a better book out there. That's correct. I feel the same way about video games. Yeah. I, I, I feel that way with humans. Because I'm an adult. <laughs> People start talking oh, and I just walk away. Oh, humans for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <Time> for <this. laughs> That's true. But Ali, if you're listening to audiobooks, you could do them at like double speed. That would make the fucking really fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. As a performer, I think there's too much to the cadence of something. Listening mm-hmm. to it fast doesn't appeal to me, at least Same not yet. Here. That's like just strictly informational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to hear their their yeah. tone. I also yeah. feel like I'd get in a car accident. Because <laughs> you'd be so just like, hyped what's up. Happening? It's just yeah, you like, don't ah! have to drive. You don't have to drive as fast as the talking. Yeah. You just listen as fast. I don't know. It sounds like that's, that's like when you try works. to pat your head and rub your stomach. I don't know. Um, Everybody, we would love to know your thoughts on the romance genre and if you have I'd experience. I'd love to know your favorite book. With it, yeah. What, what, are, you what are you reading? Yeah. Um, so tweet at us. I'm at June Bugger, J O O N B U G G E R. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail, our very favorite form of communication. And that number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. Last but not least, hop into our Discord. No, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut in. What? But I I have a revelation that it, it might blow your mind. And I just found out about this. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Strap in. And strap on. Strap in, strap on. <laughs> strap in, strap on. You can also text our phone <gasps> number and leave us a message by text. Oh, no. If you're too shy to leave a voicemail. Oh. Okay. I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah. And it totally works. And I just want to reiterate to longtime listeners and new listeners, this is a voicemail line. It does not ring anyone's phone. And if you send a text, there's really no way for us to text you back. This is just for you to communicate directly with us and then we will read it and listen to it eventually and then we will hopefully incorporate it onto the show. So don't be shy. We get calls on the number often, but we don't get uh, we get hang-ups where people don't don't actually leave a message. So if you're shy, we will not be answering the phone and if you prefer to text, send us a text and it's not just hey you up. You got to text us something that we can uh, talk about or if you're texting an answer to one of our questions, uh, please do. We'd love to hear from you. And if texting is easier than uh, Discord or Twitter, please uh, shoot us a text. The number, uh, in case it's not clear on the recording, 347-871-6548. 347-871-6548. It's in the show notes. Call or text. Six lit. I still prefer voicemails. I hope you call. Yeah. I, hope I know, you me call. too. And if you text, don't send us a dick pic. Thank you very much. Mm. Um, mm. Make sure it's well lit. (laughs) We appreciate production value here. (laughs) And please join us in our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P, where all of the pre-show, after-show, maybe even during the show conversation is happening, and we pop in there often too. Hope to see you there. And Ali, if you would like, if you, Ali, if you want to contribute to us, how do you... If they want to contribute to us, how do they I do would that? go to <laughs> patreon.com slash 2G1P and I would make a hefty contribution. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you have very romantic weeks and that uh, it has a happy ending in me- whatever you take that meaning to be. <laughs> 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 and we'll see you next time. Two girls, one pie.
Voice is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Alison Goldberg, then transcribed by South Asian children and sold as a self-published erotic ebook on Amazon. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.